Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cuberless. This show is one in which I discuss all the media I have consumed. Why? That's a good question. Uh, there was a commercial, I do believe, back in the day that had the phrase, Why Ask Why? And I do believe a strange memory that is just striking me as I speak, which is one of the reasons that I enjoy doing this podcast. Let me just adjust this microphone. Hold on one second. Better. Okay. That may have been loud. I apologize. A professional would edit it out, but I am not one. Yeah, there was a commercial back in the day, Why Ask Why? And I feel like as a, as a kid, like as a, like as a 10-year-old maybe, or even younger... I would like run around and ask that question and, and just saying that sentence out loud uh, has sort of struck a, a nostalgic chord with me for some reason. So I don't know, should ask, not that my uh, uh, mom would necessarily remember me doing so, but I feel like I did do that for some reason. Huh, what a weird, strange little boy that turned into a weird, strange, big man. Uh, off the rails pretty quickly here. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> as I was saying, why do we do this? Because I feel like if I don't do it and just, just watch all this movies and televisions and internets and, and Dungeons and Dragons related stuff and, and just let it sit up in my brain, I will slowly go insane. I mean, I have that certain level of brain stuff, as I like to call it all, already, but... This, I believe, is a bit of a pressure valve for that, I think. Possibly, maybe, I don't know. <sighs> I should also warn, if what I have said so far is a warning, I don't know, uh, that the possibility exists you may not have consumed some of this media yourself. So, it could spoil it for you. This is a spoiler warning is what it is. I guess, with that said... Uh, I could push a button and we can get started. I don't... Oh, jeez. I feel like every episode now I say something about trying to do the episode quickly and then it falls apart. I, I, I did make the assumption when I got rid of the timer that things would go quicker, but uh, that seems to have not been the case. I think it's because um, I'm playing a lot more D&D &D than I used to, which uh, will will taper off, I should mention, now that I'm running my own game and not... Oh, jeez. Will it, though? because I'm going to start joining a, I think I, I mentioned this, that I'm joining a podcast, uh, a D&D &D podcast, as one of the cast, I suppose you would say. So that's pretty exciting. So maybe I'll have recaps for that. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Um, or I could just post links to them. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll sort of play that by ear. Anyways, um, what was I saying? I don't know. Let's push a button. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Lasso of Truth Lie Detector Machines Incorporated. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, interesting. A spinoff of a popular action movie franchise. An action movie franchise that's pretty good. Yeah, I enjoy them. Um, they are not... Fast and Furious movies, that is. Um, if, if you will recall, it wasn't too, too long ago, actually, that the missus and I watched every single one, one a week, for however many weeks that is, like seven. It was a lot. And they're fine movies, but they're not ones that I sort of put high on my 
uh, uh, action movie desire to rewatch list, whatever that means. And uh, this would probably fall into that category as well. Uh, Rating-wise, just off the bat, uh, a solid three. Uh, threes for me mean that I enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And uh, there's there was cool things in this. Uh, um, uh, Idris Alba, he was really cool in this. <laughs> there is that theory that uh, uh, bad guys in Fast and Furious movies eventually turn into good guys, and they did sort of set it up for that. So maybe we're going to have uh, Hobbs and Shaw and whatever Idris Elba's character's name. Maybe that's what they'll do. Uh, how Fast and Furious, uh, their titles sometimes, not all the times, but a lot of the times they would try to work in the number to the title. Maybe they're just going to do Hobbs and Shaw and Idris, and then that movie will have a villain who will become a good good guy, and then it'll be Hobbs and Shaw and Idris and new guy, and they'll just keep adding characters' names. Yeah, I, I could go for that. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so that's Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. The story, uh, like, I, I that, that's the problem with these movies. I, I, I couldn't really, like, I, I don't even remember. I watched it days ago, and I have, I have no idea what the story was. Was there a story? There probably was. Moving on to Wonder Woman colon Bloodlines. Oh, an animated the superhero movie which are usually very very good this one i will say was not my favorite um uh yeah it, it just uh, uh, and i have seen good i i do seem to recall good wonder woman uh, animated movies it's just this one maybe it's because they like retold the i don't need uh, how many people do, do people okay <laughs> uh, let me phrase it this way do people still need uh, uh, superhero origin stories like do you still need to put that in your movie like the first you know 20 minutes of this movie is the or is an origin story maybe there's more than one because this one seemed a little different uh, of Wonder Woman uh, like I, I, I know who Wonder Woman is. I, I, I don't need to know every her, her backstory. Uh, you could start, you know, in media res, let's say, and I would be totally fine with that. It's, it's just like once again, this is twenty nineteen. People, we don't, we don't need to know, or do we? I should do this as a question. Maybe people still do. Maybe if you just. Uh, see, I feel like this would be more popular. Uh, people who are going to watch a Wonder Woman uh, animated film probably know who Wonder Woman is and don't need her backstory. So um, there was that. And then I felt there was like a bunch of plot hole, strange things as well. And uh, uh, nothing really pulled me in. Um, the acting was fine. Um, it was a, it's a pretty movie. You know, uh, it just didn't like I, I think I'd go like a like a two. Yeah, which for me, for these t types of movies, normally I give them fours and fives. So, you know, meh. Moving on to, from 1999, oh, Ghost Dog, colon, The Way of the Samurai. Oh, a very interesting title starring Forrest Whitaker. Uh, yeah, so this came up on... You know what, I'll do a, 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 a mention here, which would fit in internet intercourse. Uh, um... Forrest Whitaker was a guest on Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, and uh, I never really heard an interview with him at all, and uh, he was an interesting dude, and uh, this movie came up, so I thought I would seek it out, because uh, it had an interesting title and premise, uh, let me read the IMDA actually. Um, an African-American mafia hitman who model, models himself after the samurai of old finds himself targeted for death by the mob interesting and it was uh written and directed by jim jaramouche uh yeah uh geez what to say about ghost dog way of the samurai it's actiony um but then it's also sort of weird and interestingly filmed often um the 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 the, the, the character this uh titular ghost dog because that's actually what his name is um, very, very strange, and sort of, uh, I, I left the movie wanting to know more about him, like, I felt like it never really delved, uh, into why he is following the samurai code, 
Hmm. So, uh, we need a prequel, basically, is what I'm saying. For Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Oh, rating-wise, uh, we'll go with solid four. Yeah, solid uh, four to five. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, last, but not least... Where is it? No. Well, at least it was a, a fine mo uh, a fine movie. Uh, Toy Story 4, yeah. I uh, decided to uh, finally watch that. Uh, it was good. Uh, normally, I try to uh, uh, wait until there's a, a kid, either a niece or a nephew or a friend's child, over to watch a movie such as this. But, nah, you know what? I was uh, uh, in the mood. The mood struck. And uh, it was fine. Um, I think of the Toy Stories I've seen, not my favorite, but maybe that is more me than the movie. I don't know. Uh, it felt a little like they're just doing this to make the money now at this point. A little bit. A teensy bit. I got that feeling. Uh, uh, Forky. Uh, who voiced Forky? What's his name again? Uh, I know it when I see it. Oh, uh, Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Yeah, he was good. <laughs> that was an interesting idea. Uh, and... I, like one thing of these movies, I especially this one brought it up more than anything, is uh, if you're unfamiliar, uh, Forky is a toy, sort of made by a little girl out of uh, a spork and some um, uh, what are they called? Some some Play-Doh and some uh, uh, what are those things called? Fuzzy? Oh God, I I don't forget what they're called. And any thinking on a podcast is boring. So. Uh, this little girl makes a toy, and then that toy comes to life. So it was sort of inanimate objects, but then uh, her m making it into this form brought it to life. So, what are the sort of rules of toydom? Uh, um, also, uh, there, there's one where uh, uh, one of the toys is like torn in half by a cat, uh, and then the top half is still living. So how do you kill a toy? What what kills a toy? What level of destruction needs to kill a toy? It's, it's, I want to know some of these weird rules of this world of toys. Um, and, and, and is it possible for a human to see the toys move? Or is it just impossible? Yeah, I, I want to get deep into the lore of Toy Story for some reason, you weirdo. Oh, rating, um, I'll go, uh, solid four, yeah, or a week four. Game Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Pandemonium Pruno. Thank you for that sponsorship. Speaking of D&D &D recaps... <laughs> This is my uh, my own campaign that I'm running. I'm the DM. Uh, Sliders, it is called. This is the Session 1 Recap. Uh, I would recommend, perhaps, you listen to the Session 0 Recap, because that was uh, used... Uh, 0.5, actually. That was the setup for the story, and this is sort of where the story proper is. We're, we're jumping in full force. Uh, that was, from my perspective, last weekend... Was it last weekend? Or the weekend before? Anyways, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think it went well. Everyone seemed to have fun. I feel like I'm a bad judge. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> Or maybe I'm like, uh, I, I don't believe that people are having fun. Like, like I look around, people are smiling. People uh, at the end, uh, I'll always say, so did everyone have fun? And they'll always say yes. But, but then I always have that feeling, oh, maybe they're just being polite. But then they tend to come back for more. So that's usually a good sign. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, the confidence levels of being a DM fluctuating wildly. Yeah, let's, let's say that's what that is. So, uh, anyways, uh, maybe listen to 0 0.5 if you haven't, um, uh, but I'll have these going forward, and I hope, the desire is, that each recap will be uh, one plane of existence. That's probably how it'll go, if I had to guess, and this plane is, of course, Pandemonium. Also, uh, one thing I wanted to say before we hop in, is that um, it tends to be, and I think I've found this on multiple campaigns, that I've uh, played in, uh, more so than run, in terms of the recaps. And it's that the recaps, when I first start, will be longer than they will be eventually. It's just like story setup stuff, 
in extra details that are needed at first that won't always be needed that sort of thing i feel like uh, I, I assume that's what it is so so this is long <laughs> but it won't always be this long mm-hmm. and plus we had uh, two new characters introduced so uh, that 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 probably added a bit to this so this is a uh, slider session one recap panda monium <coughs> Uh, with the groundwork in place, Nadraj is quick to get the planar ball rolling, and with that in mind, let Kara, uh, Ira, and Merle know a little bit about what they can potentially face in the plane of pandemonium. Knowledge will always be a strong tool in our arsenal, so through my studies I have compiled a database with a basic description of each plane's a wiki, if you will, and I hope you will. So that you are never going in 100% blind, just mostly blind. I do not want to alarm you, but your first journey will be to a plane known as Pandemonium. Oh my. Let me read what I have in my notes. <clears throat> That's Nadraj clearing his throat. <laughs> Often described as the prison plane where the worst of the worst are trapped, it is made almost entirely of rock, pockmarked with innumerable caverns and tunnels. The natural caverns are constantly filled by an incredibly strong and loud, sometimes screeching wind. Common inhabitants are Quasit, Shadow Demons, and even the odd Demon Lord who has been banished here in exile. This is also the afterlife to bugbears. Huh. Gravity, objective, directional, time, normal time, shape and size, four infinite layers, morphic trait, alterable morphic, magic trait, normal magic, but sound-based spells can have very limited range due to caverns filled with loud blowing winds. Okay, so now that we know a little bit about pandemonium, why don't we explore the tools we'll have to assist you on your maiden voyage. <coughs> Uh, Nadraj then took everyone to the room in which the NPC was located. That's the uh, Nadraj's personality contraption. Uh, and after some futzing with levers and buttons and settings, he nods and offers the inaugural giant red bush button push to Ira. Zero hesitation later, the button is pushed and a hum filled the air. A robotic arm extended from the ceiling and hovers... Uh, over a few of the mannequin-like blanks. Upon uh, setting on a sizable one, which it places on the table at the center of the room, uh, the grasping arms retracted and it was replaced with one that has a large and very pointy needle that inserted itself into the center mass of this sort of golem. And as soon as it does, a rainbow of colors pour forth in a rhythmic pulse that not so slowly cause the form to meld and grow in some places and shrink in others until more and more detail seemingly just grows from nothing until a mighty roar erupts from the being before you who hops off the table towards you in one fluid motion. Nadraj is obviously a little taken aback, but he smiles and nods shakily. The bugbear shakes his head a moment and smiles at you all, which, to be honest, is not exactly reassuring. Hello, pleased to meet you. My name is Fleerg the Fierce. I understand we will be traveling to Pandemonium together. Uh, Nadraj takes a beat before proceeding. Oh my, well, that went well, I suppose... Some sparks from the contraption. Dumb. Yes, uh, perhaps it needs a few more tweaks. Moving on, uh, Nadraj takes you to his workshop, where among the chaotic mess and area has been relatively cleared atop a simple st uh, steel table. Yes, here are some items I was able to pull from Pandemonium. They are admittedly random, but sometimes I may be able to tweak items such as these, or combine them with the energies from this dimension. Like with life, even after all my experiences and time, I can verify that most things are a work in progress. And this process is no exception. See loot. 
Uh, yeah, so each time um, the players go to a new plane, Nadraj will have uh, usually uh, <laughs> my sort of a default is uh, three items and one sort of joke item. Um, so here he has a, a, the Tazar which uh, literally looks like a taser. Uh, it, it basically uh, just allows someone without magic to cast Shocking Grasp. Uh, it has four charges, uh, and it, since it uses the energy of Nadraj's plane, it needs to be charged there. Um, it's basically using electricity. Uh, shocking Grasp is just a cantrip. It's a, a low-level thing, but kind of cool that you could have, say, a fighter um, suddenly be able to use this thing, uh, kind of, kind of fun and, and not overly powerful by any means. Um, so, uh, there's one bottle of Pruno, which is, uh, prison wine, if you're unfamiliar, uh, drinking it, uh, grants you, uh, 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 some temporary HP, but it also lowers your dexterity mod because it's obviously very strong. Um, uh, there's a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> yeah, this one was dumb. Uh, when uh, there was a, a when you're smoking, uh, it gives you plus one to your uh, charisma mod because you look cool, and that lasts for one minute while you're smoking it. But then it also uh, uh, gives you minus one to your constitution uh, for two minutes because you know smoking's bad for you. So a bit of a bit of a, a, a give and take there. As a lot of the uh, custom items I create. Quite often I like doing that. A, a, a good thing and a bad thing. <clears throat> Both the uh, Pruno and the cigarettes can be used as currency as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a scroll, which I've called Don't Drop the Soap Scroll, uh, which basically shoots out a bunch of uh, slippery soap bars, uh, and it's just a, a reskin of the Grease spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, uh, that's just taking something that already exists and, and reskinning it. Uh, and last but not least, a file in a cake, which is a cake that has a file in it. That's the joke one. <laughs> that's the joke one. Oh my god. Uh, with loot and fleerg and tow, it is time for the first planar jump. A video of process. Yeah, I made a little video of what it looks like. Um, which, uh, you know, I should maybe post, but, uh, I'll tell you what, if anyone wants to see it, I'll, uh, send it to them. How about that? Uh, Ira once more shows zero hesitation, perhaps as the process has a distinctly water-like appearance. Princess Carolissa is perhaps a little more hesitant, but a friendly shove sends her on her way. Merle asks Nadraj uh, if he had to go with them, and they share a knowing nod before he too took the plunge. Uh, okay, so that actually happened in session 0 0.5, uh, up until that point, that's where we ended off. But I wanted to uh, include it here as an example of um, what uh, pre-plane jump stuff might look like. Uh -huh. Okay, uh, before we exit this planar gate, let's instead introduce two more variables. Ah, yes, the two new players. Uh, perhaps it was time or distance or some other random element, but Zelix and Vivia join the rest of the team both in media res and in media planar slide. Mm -hmm. uh, the link of the armbands seems to have taken this into account and shared with them the interactions and mission objectives that Nadraj dumped onto Merle, Kara, and Ira. They are on board with a grand plan and their respective streams join into one which seems to impart a sense of camaraderie among all. The burgeoning friendship... Oh yeah, uh, so basically what I did... Um, uh, I like to, for D&D groups, have a Facebook group that we sort of all can, you know, chat in. And, and sometimes I'll do things there so that we don't have to do them, uh, like, during the session. Because that's when, you know, sort of, that, that's very special D&D time. And, and if things can be done easily out of that, like maybe shopping, if you want to do shopping in the Facebook group, or, 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 or character introductions... Um, like how I introduced the characters, I sort of explained it in the Facebook group, uh, why it happened, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and I also added this sort of feeling of knowing one another a little bit, uh, just because 
suddenly you're having five individual characters thrown together in this sort of crazy circumstance from totally separate areas. I wanted something that the characters, that the players could use for their characters to have a reason to want to work together, to not just be, uh, who the hell are you? What's going on? I hate you. Um, to, to, to be more like, oh, okay, well, I know who you are. I might not necessarily like you. And there was some like funny tension between some of the characters because Zelix, for example, is an Illithid, which uh, uh, in, in my world, in, in my uh, homebrew, uh, Illithid are evil usually, but the possibility does exist for good ones. So it, it's not impossible for traditionally evil races to be good and vice versa. So uh, I, I, like, I like a lot of gray. Let's say. Anyways, uh, back to the burgeoning friendship is immediately tested when, through sheer bad luck, everyone is flung from the portal and lands on Zelix. <laughs> uh, in the television show Sliders, um, I think everyone would always land on um, John Rice Davies. I'm pretty sure that's who they always land on, right? But he was the big guy. So uh, this one was funny because Zelix was like probably one of the, he's maybe not the smallest character, but one of the smallest. And I just had everyone roll. And whoever was lowest, that's who everyone landed on. Uh, he took, like, one damage. Like, it wasn't a big deal. But uh, I'm going to do that every time they, they sort of fly out to see who the bad luck person is. Um, with some time for reality to pop into existence, everyone introduces themselves. And we find out that... Uh, and then here I've just posted a link to uh, 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 Zelix and Vivia's... Uh, uh, backstories, but uh, I'll, I'll just give you the gist of their characters. So Zelix is an Illithid knowledge domain cleric, and uh, Vevia, Master Chef Thalinganano, mm, I don't know how to say that, uh, is a Goliath path of the ancestral guardian barbarian who's got a, a very distinctive uh, lean towards the gourmet, let's say. Uh, also, Princess Kara is faced with a difficult choice and the apparent realization that she is cursed and did not know about it. Her mouth grows to about twice the size of normal, but stranger still, she felt a flex flexibility to her jaw that is frankly alarming. Less alarming and more interesting is that uh, Chef Vevia's armband announces sustenance scan in progress. Okay, so this is to, uh, uh, everyone has sort of a special mechanic they can do. Um, Chef Vevia's is, is a pretty, well, I don't know, I want to say if it's a straightforward one. Uh, these armbands use the player's senses in order to scan these planes for the sort of ultimate go. That's why they're goal. That's why they're on this uh, journey. Um, because uh, she worked into her backstory, she's uh, chef type stuff. Obviously her sense of taste is going to be very strong. So the armband is using that to create recipes. So every time she leaves a plane, she will have a new recipe to craft. Uh, so this first one was uh, Pandemonia pancakes. Uh, and, and then she has, uh, she's proficient at cooking and uh, for each recipe, I've created sort of a, a three-tiered uh, thing that they do. So, uh, you know, uh, so, so basically it's a, a 20, roll 20 plus, and uh, when you eat this meal, something very good's going to happen. Uh, when you eat, uh, when you roll a, a 19, a 10 to 19, uh, something good will happen. And when you roll a, a 1 to 9, uh, not much happens at all. <laughs> something bad or, you know, something dumb. Um, so that's sort of her ability. Now, uh, Princess Kara, she, uh, because she's playing the princess class and she went with the fairy tale princess, part of that class involves choosing a curse. And her curse is that when it's nighttime, she sort of uh, uh, transforms into a hideous beast. However, um, uh, what we're doing with her armband is that uh, it is able to fight this curse by sort of sucking in the energies from the planar jump, sucking in things from this plane of pandemonium or whatever plane she's next jumping into uh, in order to uh, turn that curse that normally just makes her a hideous monster into this was still a, a scary to behold monster a little bit, but uh, because it's a curse, it's just got a sort of good and bad. Like for example, 
Um, if she wanted to whisper, she had to roll a wisdom save or else she would yell very loud. Her voice could be heard from over a mile away, should she uh, wish it. Uh, she could cast the Shatter spell uh, as much as she want, but the more she did, the more likely it would blow out her vocal cords, which uh, actually didn't happen. It almost did. Uh, that, that would have been. This is a this is a a, a character. Uh, I don't want to say player, <laughs> in case she listens to this. Uh, this was a character who likes to talk a lot uh, and does it very well, uh, to to a, a annoying to the rest of the party degree in in a, in a humorous sense that I very much enjoy. Let me just underline that. So I, I thought it would be interesting to give her something that uh was potentially going to take that away it wouldn't be permanent by any means it was just sort of a a funny thing that this character who loves talking can suddenly role play not being able to talk uh and would have been furious no doubt uh so every time she jumps into a new plane uh we're going to roll to see if it's daytime or nighttime uh and then if it's nighttime she's gonna have the option to do her normal transformation into however she sees this monster or the one that i make up based on the plane okay anyway uh once everyone gets to know everyone else the last thing to pop in is the sound of a blaring alarm quickly followed by stern voice asking who are you and how did you get in here uh it is perhaps not surprising that a plane nicknamed the prison plane that our adventurers find themselves in Blackgate prison unfortunately they quickly learn that the prison is mid riot long story till still pretty long much talk after much talk warden norton eventually realizes that perhaps he can use these strangers for his own <laughs> means oh warden norton that's disgusting uh, a deal is struck and the plane jumpers either kill or recapture the loose prisoners he will open the exit to the outside which is vital as the next planar gate will open in about in about eight hours and is about half a mile away uh yeah if you didn't listen to the first one i'll just say uh like sliders um the gates open at a certain time and if you miss the gates uh you know you're in big trouble let's say uh i added that they also open in certain locations which i think was from sliders as well hmm. anyways uh step number one is the shadow demon pens ira takes the initiative and rushes headlong into the magical darkness and strikes at the most devious of enemies steel bars the fight is made difficult as the complete darkness makes seeing things impossible, a disadvantage that the shadow demons do not seem to suffer from. Uh, after finding firing some soap blindly, Merle eventually climbs a central cage where the lights that should seemingly keep these monsters at bay are malfunctioning. He manages to get three fixed and invert in inadvertently destroys the fourth, but it is enough to tip the scales in the party's favor, allowing them access to the rest of the prison uh but before but not before zealot convinces ira to put on a cloak seemingly made of shadows that is found in one of the abandoned cells unfortunately the cloak proves cursed although ira virtually disappears in darkness while wearing it while in the light the stinging to his now super sensitive eyes is tough to bear uh, a fork in the corridor gives the option for armory or min max and our adventurers prove to be the greedy little buggers and one bugbear as they zero hesitation for which way to go unfortunately in an evil prison there are a lot of greedy people uh, as most of the prime loot seems to be picked over and all that is left are two closets fighting over a set of prison riot gear that is far too big for them uh, one of the little beasts is immediately disposed of, but Princess Kara uh, takes a shine to the other. Quaz, K-W-A-Z, just in case we're keeping track, is bribed with cigarettes to reluctantly come with the party, but not before Zelix quickly peruses a manual on the proper wear and upkeep of the equipment which seems to send his face tentacles a quiver. Also, Chef Vev manages to procure a guard's truncheon, club so is now armed which is helpful when they enter the next area uh, that appears to be just about filled to the brim with closet 
Uh, one closet is trying unsuccessfully to pull a bugbear-sized lever uh, while three others egg him on. Three closet are attempting to throw an elderly black man into a swimming into a swirling vortex, and two are up on a walkway with crossbows, seemingly doing their best guardsman impression. Uh, there are some tense moments to the fight, and things seem to be going the slider's way, even with Arya repeatedly throwing himself against a wall. Yeah, he was trying to pole vault up to the second story where this, uh, this elderly black gentleman was about to be thrown into this vortex. Um... But the tide quickly turns when Kara notices that somebody pushed her new pet Quaz into the vortex. A barely imperceptible tug on the long ribbon Kara had affixed to her reluctant Quaz meant that perhaps not all was lost. All was lost. <laughs> Rather than pulling Quaz from wherever this portal leads, a massive red hand shot forth holding the other end of the ribbon, and from its fearsome mouth dangles a closet arm holding a lit cigarette. Uh, that was that was crazy. That was uh, definitely the most crazy part for me uh, from this uh, uh, session. So basically, uh, uh, Princess Kara, Kara? Kara, I always say it wrong, um, had this little little demon thing uh, on, on sort of a, a ribbon leash sort of thing, and uh, it fell into this pit. I forget who pushed it, but somebody did. And then I, I just added, uh, and this was all spur of the moment, obviously not planned. I didn't know she was going to uh, put a bow on it and <laughs> carry it around. I didn't know someone was going to push it in. Uh, I didn't know that uh, the bow was going to sort of uh, uh, fix itself on a spike on the outside of the portal and then sort of be uh, uh, subtly tugged as if he was trying to get back. I didn't know she would rush over and try to pull it out. Uh, and then what I did, which I, I thought was cool, I, I said, okay, so you're going to pull on this ribbon. Now there's a... Uh, 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 I had to roll a D100. And I said, okay, so if it's a 1 to a 10... You pull it out and Quaz is there. And he's probably very grateful to be saved from whatever's in this portal. Uh, if it's uh, 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 11 to uh, uh, 89, nothing happens. But if it's 90 to 100, uh, whatever comes out of this portal that you're pulling out is going to be big, bad, and probably going to kill you. <laughs> so she pulls it out and rolls a 96. <laughs> so then on the spot, I had to come up with a fucking giant red demon thing. Kind of looked like a, like I just, I think I just Googled held gorilla. So I threw up an image of that. I used sort of one of the stats of one of the demons that was going to happen later and just tweaked it a little bit. Uh, and then they fought that, and uh, <laughs> it did a number on them, because it was a fucking giant demon thing that they just pulled out of this portal. Uh, so, that was fun, and I very much enjoyed that on my end. Anyways, eventually, through teamwork, even from the remaining Quasit... Oh yeah, the Quasit are like, holy shit, <laughs> kill this thing, it's gonna kill us all. Uh, the beast is thrust back where it came from, and the calm, cool demeanor of the prisoner they had saved, named Red, although... Not sure if anyone asked. Uh, let them know that ahead was where the demon lord was kept. Uh, the decor in this part of the prison quickly changes from the cold, blood-spattered steel and stone to one that is much, one that is much more plush. Uh, those who are kept here clearly have a much easier time in their imprisonment and also receive special treatment. Likely not used to seeing a well-dressed demon, the one guarding the door to this inner sanctum of demon section of Blackgate is apparently not intimidating enough to prevent Ira from stabbing him with a trident. He takes it in stride, though, and ushers everyone into the presence of the demon lord, boss, Don Vito Corleone Souls. The Don did not get where he is by killing everything in sight, so instead gives the sliders an option to side with him and overthrow the warden and the few remaining bugbear guards. Uh, the demons will pretend to lock themselves back in their beautiful, if creepily, decorated cells, allowing the sliders to trick the warden into allowing them to exit, where they will kill them and open the prison doors to the outside. Uh, although this route was seriously considered, yeah, I, I thought the players were going to do it, um, 
and I had uh, I had plans for it going both ways. It's just we were getting near to near the end, so I thought it would be quicker if they didn't side with the demons. So uh, this is what I did. Uh, Although the route was seriously considered, the signing of a demon contract in blood seems to have given them pause. Yeah, so uh, uh, basically I had it that they could sign uh, side with the demons uh, or they could sign with the warden. You know, in a prison riot, that there, there's a logic to that. Um, and I didn't really know which one they were going to, uh, but I thought that because I wanted them to side with the warden, because I thought it would be quicker since we were near the end of the session, these are all the things that are rushing through my mind, uh, I thought I would introduce this contract written in blood, which I didn't originally have planned, I sort of just did that spur of the moment, in the hopes that... Um, that would spook them enough, which it did, <laughs> because if you know anything of demons and blood contracts, probably not a good idea. Even though, you know what, I, I didn't have anything um, bad planned if they had to sign the contract. Like, uh, I probably would have tried to come up with something maybe later down the road, but I didn't. I At the moment, I had nothing planned. Anyways, a tough fight with some fiery aura teleportation is eventually one allowing our adventurers to search this area and find some treasures that will hopefully offset that they are a little worse for wear. The sound of torture souls in the distance is never found, but I'm sure it is not worth losing any sleep over as they make their way back to Warden Norton, who greets them with a hearty job well done, an audrary badge to Blackgate in a job proposal for Fleer the Fierce, since most of his staff has been horribly murdered. Uh, a quick jaunt through Pandemonium proper, and they arrive where the gate is primed to open with time to spare. Nadra greets all of them, although momentarily surprised that two more adventurers have joined the party. If anything, he is pleased to meet them and seems to get a kick of showing Chef Vivia the ample and well-stocked kitchen and Zelix the McConaughey bookshelf hashtag downtime stuff. Jesus Christ, that took a long time. Uh, well, clearly I'm excited. And you know what? Maybe it is as well. Um, when I read the recaps from uh, games I'm playing in, I don't have all this little back store uh, behind the scenes stuff as when I'm DMing, which I do for this. So that's probably why I like to pause and, and give you thoughts on what I'm thinking. Because why not? That's interesting, right? Question mark. I don't know. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is C Word Cookies. Uh, okay, uh, not too much here, and I'll try to get through this quick because we're already long, even though I didn't want to be long. Jesus Christ. Don't say dot 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 with Paul and Dave. Yeah, a new podcast just added to my podcast listening repertoire. Uh, the, uh, titular, uh, it's Dave Foley and Paul. Shit, what the hell's Paul's name? Uh, if I go to home, will that have the answer? I don't know. It's two Canadians saving America from the C word. Oh, the C word obviously is, well, you know what it is. Should I say it? Yeah, cunt. Uh, so it's Dave Foley, uh, who you may recognize from Kids in the Hall. And Paul, why is this name not... Oh, Paul Greenberg. Paul Greenberg emerged on the comedy scene in the mid-1990s in the Lauren Michaels-produced sketch show The Vacant Lot on Comedy Central. Hmm. Uh, I don't actually recognize him. Uh, Paul's also a winning writer. Okay, so he's a writer. You know what? Writers on podcasts, uh, I should say comedy writers on podcasts, quite often. Very, very good. I have come to realize, so. That would explain why I very much enjoyed, uh, I've listened to the first handful of episodes of this so far. I've listened to the Scott Thompson one, uh, 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 Burt Kreischer one. Uh, the whole reason I started listening was uh, Andy Kindler and J. Elvis Weinstein. Uh, they spoke of it on their podcast, so I'm like, oh, okay, well. And that's how it tends to happen, I find. Uh, podcast... 
Um, you'll find new ones by listening to one you're already listening to, and then a guest will come on, and you'll find and, and you'll enjoy that guest, and then you'll find out, oh, they have one too. Maybe I'll go check that out, and then you'll go over there, and it'll be amazing. And it's like a virus, and I have a sickness, and the only cure is more podcasts. So check out this one. Uh, it's got some Canadianness to it, which obviously I'm going to appreciate, and uh, I very much like. Don't say dot 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 with paul and dave so i bring it back here and recommend you checking it moving on to judge john hodgman episode 442 live from toronto at the danforth music hall 2019 you say larpe diem the title of the episode yeah uh it's uh, i'm bringing this back because it was a really good episode and also because i felt like i haven't brought that one back in a while but consistently judge john hodgman uh just one of the best podcasts um, weekly ones that I listen to, uh, so this one in particular, <laughs> the, the, uh, I, 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 like, quite often, it, in, and I feel like Judge John doesn't, uh, John Hodgman doesn't necessarily like that this happens, but I feel like a lot of the time, the podcasts tend to revolve around couples and uh, uh, arguments they get into. So that's another reason I like this one, uh, because it veers into a subject that I, I, I don't think there's ever been one like this on the show before. Uh, it was uh, uh, people who play a role-playing game. It wasn't Dungeons & Dragons. It was uh, something else, some sci-fi thing. Uh, and, and I think there's also a... Uh, it's actually a computer game, but they role-play it, which is fun. Sounded a lot like Star Trek. Many, many Star Trek comparisons, which is another reason I, of course, liked it. There was one part which, oh man, I fucking loved it. Uh, I don't think the contestants or maybe some of the audience knew what he was doing, but uh, Judge John did an impression of uh, uh, from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, uh, of the guy with the eye, eye patch played by Christopher Plummer, I do believe. Ooh, wow, that's a good pull. Um, where he was saying, don't wait for the translation while they were in the Klingon court. He was doing an impression of that, which I, I thought was so incredible that I, I think I like literally clapped my hands in real life when he did it. Uh, so for that reason alone, I'm like, oh man, I got to bring this back because uh, he did not get enough recognition for doing that uh, best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check that out. If you're going to check an episode out, you can start with that. That's one good thing about uh, Judge John Hodgman as well. You don't have to have listened to anything, uh, any of the episodes before. Pick up any one. That's a good one to start. Last? Is this last but not least? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I don't know if I've brought this back yet before. Uh, it's called Mr. Rex. Uh, so that's M-R-R-H-E-X-X. Uh, it's a YouTube channel who uh, does deep dives into D&D uh, uh, &D monsters or other subjects involving D&D. This one in particular was interesting because it was something I, I didn't even know existed, really. Uh, uh, he did three separate videos uh, on level 10 spells, on 11, level 11 spells. Level 11 spells is hard to say. Uh, and level 12 spells. Um, traditionally, in D&D, &D, spells only go up to level 9. Uh, when you look at a character sheet uh, or, or a spell casting uh, class description, um, they'll only go up to 9. Uh, so I, I never even considered that there was higher level spells, but apparently there is. I think the level 12 one is basically like you're a god. Like These, these are spells above wish, uh, which is pretty incredible. Um so, so he does a deep dive into those, and it gave me an idea, too, of, uh, of a, a sort of a campaign idea. Maybe there's a one-shot idea. I, I'm still working out some details, but, it, but, it, but it's this. Um, have your characters uh, read these level 10 to 12 spells and work into their backstory uh, which one their character is working t towards uh, acquiring. So you start the campaign, and the campaign will probably involve uh, 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 see I'm sort of working this out in my head as I'm saying it uh, I, I thought it would involve maybe starting with level 9 spells because there's quite a few of them uh, and the, 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 the dungeons quote unquote the, the, the quests let's say 
all involve uh, revolve around being tied to those spells and uh, acquiring them or, or or something like that like there's there's definitely something here where the the backstory of these characters revolves around choosing one of these spells to work towards gaining and when they reach the the end of the campaign that is sort of their 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 prize at the end and, and what they want to do with it uh they could do whatever they want with it at that point that, that sort of thing maybe that's the final session they have these spells finally at their command uh and the final session is how they use them and, and things like that so th there's something there uh, some, some tentative notes i've written on it but uh you never know maybe that's one i'll use so thank you mr rex last but not least in fact maybe most of all uh, matt colville did a running the game video called uh, leading a creative life and uh, uh, this is one of my favorites i think because uh, you could watch it if you're unfamiliar with Matt Koval, he does a, a channel that's devoted to D&D. However, this I feel like, and know at this point, that you don't need to uh, know anything of D&D to watch this particular episode to take something away from it. I sent it to the missus with just the note that this was very moving and um she i think i spoke of in last episode uh, uh fell off a horse <laughs> and broke her pelvis so uh, uh sort of just tentatively thinking uh, needs a new hobby uh, and, and it sort of came up uh, uh you know just i feel like people need hobbies people need uh, ways to be creatively need, need a creative output of some sort. Um, so she's sort of thinking along those lines. So I sent her this, uh, in the hopes that maybe it, uh, uh inspires her like it did me. Um, uh, basically uh, the sort of gist of it is, or, or one of my main takeaways is that he spoke of, uh, people who do creative things being, uh, sort of poo-pooed by other people people doing creative things and then others saying who do you think you are to do this creative thing uh, which is never really something I had considered until now but I, I suppose it, it really struck a chord with me that there's probably people out there who hold back from doing things like say this podcast or 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 or, or, or making a youtube video or or anything dumb like this like i always come up and maybe i come at it from a different angle that i do it because it's fun not because i think it's going to turn into a thing i don't know but of all the things that i've spoken of in this entire episode that is way way too long um, that's the one thing I would recommend for anyone to check out, regardless of if you like or know of Dungeons and Dragons. Go to Matt Coville on YouTube, go to Leading a Creative Life, and let that video inspire you, because I believe it will, and I hope it will. And folks, I love you. Ah, you didn't see that coming. What you should see coming is the thing that is at the end of every single episode, which I'm going to say now, which is... It's nice. To be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper